Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is Mike Abadir. It is Thursday, October 21st, 2021. Got a great show lined up for you as always. You know, one of the best things about having a little bit of a hiatus or a break from my man Gino Bacola is that I get a chance to sit down and talk in great detail with so many of my good friends and sports insiders and and guys that are really in the trenches in uh, the world of sports. You know, we've had a variety of guests that have joined us while Gino is on this uh, fall hiatus covering this thing called the National Football League. Well, there are others that cover the NFL, too. And one of them is my good friend Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible. He is joining me today. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, not just football, not just college, pro football or college football. We're going to talk everything, NBA, baseball, playoffs, the Yankees, Aaron Boone, you name it. First, let's bring him in. Rick Saratella, Sports Illustrated, NFL Draft Bible. He is a gold jacket-wearing Hall of Famer of the Mike Abadir Show. Rick, what is going on, my friend? What's going on, Mikey? I was going to tell you, I'm rocking the gold jacket. I know you can't see it there behind the scenes, but uh, you know what I mean. Gino, big shout-out. I pulled a Case Keenum on him, filling in last second. (laughs) (laughs) We got Andrew behind the scenes. He was all pumped up, bringing the energy to start us up here and wind me up like the Energizer Bunny Man. I'm raring, ready to go, chopping it up. I got the blade sharpened, Mike. It's been a while, and I'm ready to unleash the beast here. A little late night. 7 o'clock, a little late night for uh, Rick Saratella. Yeah, that's it. East Coast, you know, you're about to have some of these ball games that come on, including a little Thursday night football action. I've always envied the East Coast in this. I'm a night owl, Rick. I like staying up late. I like getting up early when I have to, but for the most part, I'm a night owl. And so I always envied the fact that you could be in bed at midnight with the TV on and watching live sporting events from out here, out on the West Coast, whereas the complete opposite of that is like Hawaii. You know what I mean? Like you're watching like a like a late California game and it's just like six o'clock. You know, I always love late night sports. So always uh, cool. That- you, you and me are opposite. See, I, I'm a kegs and eggs guy. Like I like being out in Vegas, rolling up out of bed, going down to the breakfast buffet. I got football up on the screen. I pull my little ticket sheet there, and we we get it we we get it started early out there on the west. Well, Vegas Coast. is 24 seven though. It, like there is no day or night. I know, but you know, you know what I mean. You, you oh, wake yeah. up, you roll out of bed. You're in line. You're at the buffet line. You got the sheet in hand, and you're right there at 9 a.m. in line, ready to so- go. It's kind of funny. One of the listeners to our show, regular listeners, my cousin Will, and he and I have had many shenanigans in Vegas and South Lake Tahoe, Caesars Palace, you name it. And one of the the, the stretches of time when we were just kind of like turning 21 or growing enough mustache to be able to not get carded for long enough to put in our plays and that type of thing, we would go with the dads and the uncles who were really big on horse racing, okay? And always the first the first races that got started were out of New York and Maryland. You had Laurel and Aqueduct. Sure. And so we would get there. And it's kind of funny because the Caesars Palace, they used to be there. Now I think it's the Hard Rock out in South Lake Tahoe. They had a uh, they put a Subway, Subway sandwiches right next to it. And by the way, 
because I went there so often, I cannot eat Subway anymore. The smell, I can't even deal with the smell. That's how ingrained in my nose it became after it's years and years. Deal. It's a tough deal. Oh my God, because you smell it all day. And so we wouldn't be able to eat. So anyways, the whole point of this is it became kind of the running joke. Like, hey man, it's like seven o'clock. Have you eaten, dude? No, no man. Yeah, <laughs> it became known as I'm on the aqueduct diet. The aqueduct <laughs> diet for the aqueduct racetrack because that was the first one that started. Hey, I'm on the aqueduct diet, man. You know, so we would jokingly mess around like gal The, the one stuff. good thing about aqueduct, aqueducts always running. That's a good <laughs> that's, that's thing. <laughs> Rain, sleet, hail, snow. There's always a race that's going true. on. We they're, the mud, they're slinging mud. They don't care over there in aqueduct, baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They'll they'll hurdle over piles of snow if they have to, man. They're always running. Day or day or night, rain or sleek, rain or shine, you know it. But the the, the funny the funny thing, just to conclude that, was that uh, we kind of added it up one weekend where we kind of got slaughtered, and we were like, man, we could have eaten a thousand steak dinners for the amount that we spent not eating on the Aqueduct diet. So, anyways, that's uh, <laughs> don't go on the Aqueduct diet, folks. Or if you do, make I'll sure you're like it. Rick, you get an early breakfast so you can power through the day with some smarts. So many places to go, Rick, so little time. So let's get right to it. I want to start actually with the, the NBA. Most who listen to this show know I'm not a huge basketball guy, NBA guy, especially when you're talking still mid-October. It's uh, get seems to me like it almost starts earlier and earlier every year. But there are a couple of storylines that I think are intriguing. Even from an agent perspective, I always ask myself when I'm watching the news, when I'm watching highlights, when I'm watching uh, any, any uh, of these talk shows, what would I do as an agent? Even if it's another sport that I'm, that I'm not involved with, like the NBA or that type of thing, what do you make about what's going on in, in Philadelphia? And do you think the young man's getting the right advice? Or what's kind of your take on the whole thing that's going on there in Philly? Well, I mean, the, the Philly situation is interesting. The Brooklyn situation uh, is interesting. And you got, you know, uh, schisms going on, right? And so you wonder, especially with the Brooklyn Nets, like how much of an impact that's going to have. Because even without Kyrie Irving, I think, you know, they're still in it. Uh, you know, I think Philadelphia's in the mix. Milwaukee's in the mix. But I think the NBA season, Mike, it, it's like, the longest season, it seems like forever, because we already know who's going to be in the mix, right? And it's just like enough of this nonsense. I just feel like it's the most pointless season of the major sports. Like, let's just throw the Lakers, Suns, Bucks, and Nets in the Final Four and get this deal over with. Yeah, at least, you know what they should do? They should do like the World Cup where it resets every four years. And the reason I say that is because you're, you're very right. Like, those are probably the four teams for the next three, four years. And then it kind of resets. So, like, for example, in the early 2000s, it may have been the Heat. And then it resets to the Warriors. And now you could pretty much, it's like Warriors and one of these two teams in the finals. You know, the Cavs or the whatever, right? And then it goes to, you know, maybe now it's like the Bucks and Phoenix. And maybe you rotate in a team or two. But for the most part they're going to be in, in the mix. And it seems like every four years or five years, there's kind of that kind of reset. And so, hey, you know what else plays in four-year cycles? The World Cup. I don't know. Maybe it needs to be a little bit different. Maybe with international basketball picking up a little bit, you'll see some different formats with basketball. I think it's the sport that most lends itself to different types of regular seasons and different formats and play-in tournaments and all sorts of stuff. I would have fun with it if I'm the NBA because – 
I do think that they're going to have a problem on their hands when you're talking about teams that just perennially lose and they're really irrelevant when it comes to the national scene. You know, uh, even like my beloved NorCal Sacramento Kings, you know, teams like that, they really don't factor in. You know it before the season starts. You know when the season's over. You can never really put them on a primetime game. Um, and, of course, every sport has those kind of teams, but at least in most other sports, there's enough parity where it rotates around, whereas in NBA, it seems like teams that get stuck at the bottom stay there for the longest of times, probably forever, you know? So, um, okay, let's... Well, I, one thing I'll say about that, Mike, though, real quick here. Is sure. The thing about the NBA is you can have a dominant player, and that'll guide you to the finals. Like, LeBron James will single-handedly carry you to the NBA finals. That... Buck center Giannis is going to carry you, you know, to the finals. So that's the thing. There's only five players on the court where, you know, NFL, MLB, even NHL, I think is more of a team played sport. NBA, you got two superstars. Huh. Punch your ticket to the final four, baby. You're hundred percent right about that. And if, if kind of the point that you're trying to allude to is that at least there's hope to be able to change things quickly, if possible, although you're right, there's there's five on the court, like you said, and two super, superstars can change a team's fortunes. The problem is they only get those kind of guys, an opportunity to get those guys maybe once every five years, right? So if you kind of look at it over time, you know, you had that franchise changing um, just even in my basketball uh, lifetime, you know, like uh, obviously Jordan and, and Barkley were guys like that and, and Bird and Magic before them but guys like that in the eighties. Uh, then he went on to like David Robinson and then uh, Tim, uh, Tim Duncan, right. Guys that they, they were able to get on bad franchises and immediately turn them around and take them to the top. <clears throat> LeBron and, and Giannis, obviously more recently, but those guys only come every once in, in so many years. And in between, there's just a bunch of, you know, uh, busts <laughs> really. I mean, uh, I hate to say it like that, but at least at the top of the draft, you find probably just as many gems in the, in the second round. But that's kind of the difficulty with the NBA. Um, back to kind of some of the the, the, the really quick storylines and the problems. You know, obviously the Sixers, Doc Rivers and uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid has kind of jumped into the fray a little bit. And then, of course, you have Kyrie, as you alluded to. Some of these tensions between players and management, um, I don't recall seeing such non-contractual, let's just say, banter before a season has started uh, as much as I have this year. And you're talking about teams that are legitimate contenders. I mean, the New Jersey Nets with Kyrie, even without him, are kind of an all-star team, Rick. Um, No, I know. I'm looking at the odds. They're favored to win it plus 250. Lakers and that's with the uncertainty of yeah, yeah. that's with the uncertainty of, of Kyrie Irving. And it's I don't recall a time where sports and law and politics have ever intersected in this manner. Well, you know, I mean, listen, I think the NBA player has been uh, vocal in recent years, but I mean, I'll be honest with you, there's just a lot of whining in in the NBA in general, right? Like every single play, you go to the camera. You know, and there's a foul called, and it's like, boom, they pan to Greg Popovich. He's complaining. They pan to the player. He's complaining. They, they pan to the referee. I feel like he's complaining. Like everybody's just always complaining in the NBA. There's so many whistles. There's so many stomps. You know, baseball, too, is another one, man. There's so many 
uh, like four or five hour games. Who's got time for this nonsense? I, I sure don't. And it's really, I mean, I grew up with the New York bricks. We're talking about, uh, you know, Charles Oakley, Patrick Ewing, Anthony Mason, Xavier McDaniel, Derek Harper. Um, you know, we we played some ball, and then you kind of watch the game and what what it's evolved to today. And and really, NFL, a lot of it too. I mean, I, I can't say I'm a huge fan of watching the NFL. Of course, I love to watch it every Sunday, but I just don't see the game that I grew up with. And uh, I I got a lot to say about that. Really interesting because, and I agree with uh, just about everything that you said. There's a tweet, and I'm hoping to find it. It just went out a short time ago, and it was from um, Alex Wood, pitcher on the Giants. And he actually addressed exactly what you're talking about, but in the opposite. And it was interesting to see how many guys were in support and how many guys disagreed. Um, I'm really hoping I could find this thing here because it was pretty well written, Rick. But basically the gist of it is if you're a player, announcer, coach, and you're talking about yesteryear and how yesteryear was better, you're not evolving. Get with the program. I don't even want to hear from you. It was well, that's fine. Weird. That's fine for the younger demographic, Mike. But I'll be honest. Listen, I switched. I I I switched about three years ago. I went over to MLB Audio. I don't even care about the video package because I don't have time to sit there for five hours a night <laughs> and watch a baseball game. Okay, so I put it on, and I have it on as background noise as I do other things. And you know, if you've got five hours, because that's how long it takes. Every time the Yankees play the Red Sox, or it seems like every team in the AL East is a five-hour ball game, okay? I don't have time for that. I don't. When I grew up, it was two hours. So now you're playing one game and how long you used to play three games, okay? So don't give me that nonsense. Who said that? Don't give me that nonsense, Mike. Get him on the phone. Get him on the air here. Who's his agent? I'll call him up. Alex Wood. Uh, I'm going to drop him a line right now. Yeah, you know. Pop him up. Here's here's my quick take on that, Rick. For the younger generation, what you guys don't understand, and I could say that unequivocally, is this. You don't have anything to compare it to. Because you didn't live through another generation of baseball or football. Wait until, wait 20 years. Until you go through an entire cycle where nobody you rooted for is still an active player, right? Where now you're dealing with a whole new crop of a new generation of baseball players or NFL players, et cetera, where there's nobody left except for Brady 15 years from now when he's still playing. But until you go through that, Rick, I don't think you could really understand or compare if it was better or not because you didn't experience it. So to you, this is as good as it gets. You're in it. You're in it at the moment. So, of course, nothing is better. Of course, this is the best. The best as it gets. It's one out of one for you. But if you compare yesteryear, and I think for us in our age group in the 40s, Rick, not just do we have the last crop of players, but even the tail end of the crop before that, you know, uh, or or mid 
crop before that, like Montana and Phil Sims well, and, I, and I those guys. I just feel like the youth does not embrace the history, you know, because of everything being so instantaneously, right? Everything is now, 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 now. And you look at the list like, hey, greatest quarterbacks, greatest this, greatest that. It's always the players that have played now, 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 now. And it's like, you know, I called you slinging Sammy Ball before we went on air here. Like, I would love to know the population, like the percentage of audience who even knows who Sammy Ball is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And when you when you ask somebody today, unless it's a list you could look look up on Google, like Hall of Famers or top 10 passers or something like that, they, they don't know what's going on. They're not historians of the game. I'll give you a great example. One of the greatest players, really, in, his, in the history of baseball, but it was truly cut short by injuries, is Eric Davis. Eric the Red mm-hmm. was an 80 stolen base guy. He was a 30 home run guy. And he was a 308 hitter. That's not his lifetime marks. Those are his best on any individual season. And played a ridiculous center field. His arm wasn't maybe A-plus, but everything else in his game was A-plus. Oh, he was a 2020 guy every year. Oh, yeah. I, I I mean, 80 steals, and you think about that, that's more than teams as a whole do right now. Anyways, I was mentioning it to somebody who's a self-claimed huge baseball fan. And I, uh, to his credit, in today's game, he's very knowledgeable. He gets it, and he knows a lot of the players. But he also claims to be a historian had no clue who Eric Davis was. But our generation of baseball <laughs> right. fans all know who Eric Davis is. But he, I mean, he played he played until 2001, so that's unacceptable. Yeah, well this this guy is, is under 30. So yeah. I guess, you know, you know what if he see, if he's I even don't get that Mike because like I grew up and I knew everybody going back to like the beginning of time. I don't know. I I I just feel like it's just being lost. Like Yeah, all... but do you think like today's youngsters know like Steve DeBerg? I don't. And do you remember when he f- had the broken thumb and he put the needle in it with the gauze pad and just whacked it? He was out there with, like, the gauze pad with the needle poking out. Oh, yeah, of course. Those <laughs> stories are legendary. Or Ronnie Lott chopping off his pinky. I mean, those are... Uh, yeah, those now, are... Now, now, now Baker Mayfield has a... Uh, a, 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 a bruise on his non-throwing shoulder. The poor baby can't play it. <laughs> I thought that was a hangnail, man. Uh, yeah, it's... It's just a different game, man. And they protect the quarterback so differently than before. Uh, I wish we could see. And I was you know, laughing because there was a teammate. They were in. Uh, they were Case Keenum. They would say, "Oh yeah, Baker's so tough, man." Because I know it would take a it would take a freight train to keep him off the field. Like, no, not really. Just the Bruce Holder. Like, come yeah. On. Yeah. Well, if you look at teams' injury reports lately, they're huge, and. You got to wonder, is it because there's harder hitting? Is the game more demanding? Well, we know why. Or are they soft? So we'll let that be (laughs) up to the listener to decide. Rick, let's take a quick commercial timeout. Get out of the deal. We'll come back. We'll still keep talking shit about anything and everything. And we'll dissect some games as well. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Mike Now, back to this week's program. The beauty of live productions is that you get to hear dogs in the background. My dogs are barking up a storm. I'm trying to mute in between, but if you hear them, they say hello, Rick. Well, hey, you know we're 90s child, so who let the dogs out, baby? (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree with you. Hey, Rick, let's transition from soft ball players to the uh soft balls what (laughs) sorry what up manscaped manscaped big supporter of the show there you go there you go this segment is brought to you by uh no let's let's talk a little baseball we're down to obviously four teams but i kind of want to talk about some of the teams that aren't in it right now and a great starting point always the headquarters of it all new york and the new york yankees an organization that felt really good going into this year. They felt that they had a champion. They had a maybe a three-week span where they played championship baseball, but that was about it. The rest of the year, they really underperformed in every way possible. And it wasn't just the the pitching, Rick. There was there was a period of time where they were the lowest batting average in American League. They weren't driving in runs. They had some home runs, but a lot of strikeouts. They didn't steal any bases. They weren't good on the base paths, and their fielding was even suspect. What do you make of the Yankees' situation right now, and where does ownership go from here? We know that they made a stand just the other day in making the decision to retain Aaron Boone. What What are your thoughts about all that as a New Yorker, as a Yankee fan, lifelong Yankee fan? Well, Mike, thank you so much for uh showering my wound with salt. I feel so much better about myself <laughs> after that, that great uh, summary of the New York Yankee baseball season here. And, you know, it's been really frustrating to watch as someone who goes back to, you know, basically 1986. And we talk about the history, right? And I think somebody tried to call out John Cusick 
at the Chicago game the other day because they called them a bandwagon. Hey, you were at the White Sox game and now you're at the Cubs game or you're at the Cubs game. Now you're at the White Sox game. He's like, yeah, who, who's the who's the White Sox third baseman from 83, boss? The kid didn't know. Right. Da, 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 right. Like I go back to 86. I can I can tell you the starting lineup of every Yankee team from 86. Like that's that's my team. I don't have any teams except the Yankees. That's what I do. And so I, like I said, big, I was, big shout out to Mike Pagliarulo. Mike Pags, baby, <laughs> Mike Pags, uh, playing next to Alvaro Espinosa, who uh, was turning to with uh, Wayne Tollison at second there, and they had, uh, I think Jack Clark was playing first base. Uh, you know, Bob Guerin and Joel Skinner were catching. They had Claudel Washington, Ron Kittle, out in the outfield. Uh, you know what a team that was with, and uh, because they had a they had a slightly aging uh, roster there, they looked forward to prospects that were coming out in a couple of years, like Luis Polonia. Yeah, Luis Polonia. They traded uh, uh, Jay Buner. They traded Jay Buner for Ken Phelps. That was a beauty. Uh, they traded Al Leiter for Jesse Barfield. Oh, that was a golden dandy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, getting with the new. But I'll tell you what, though, what. What what upsets any true Yankee fan that was alive, you know, when when the boss, when the real boss, George Steinbrenner, was around, um, it's not the same Yankees. And if if you're a Facebook friend, I I, I posted because I've been I'm so inside the the draft bubble. I just found out that he extended Boone a couple days ago, and I posted it on my Facebook in the middle of the night. I said, man, this is not the team. I grew up with, and it's going to be tough to take another three years of bad decision-making, which is Mr. Aaron Boone, and complacency for losing. Complacency, right? Because this is what Aaron Boone said, Mike. Aaron Boone said that he remains proud. Let me repeat that. Aaron Boone said he remains proud of what the Yankees have achieved since 2018, praising their efforts of players, coaches, support staff, and front office members. Well, if that's the case, why did you just fire half of your coaching staff? Well, if that's the case, why do you lose in the first round of the playoffs every single season? If that's the case, why do you have one championship, one championship since 2000? If that's the case, why did we bring back this puppet who was Aaron Boone? He ain't nothing but a fraud. And thank you for the home run. But even in the, even in that great clutch home run that Aaron Boone hit, what was it 2003? Guess what? They didn't even win the World Series that year. So as much as I love the home run, Aaron, you, you just don't know how to win. The analytics is a little bit too much for me. Okay, I'm just being honest. I thought Joe Girardi was bad. Aaron Boone makes Joe Girardi look like a Hall of Famer, okay? So all you got is another three years of yes, sir, no, sir, okay, Cash. Who should I start tonight, Cash? Oh, you got it, Cash. Jiggle to left, jiggle to right. Use two hands, baby. <laughs> what, what a rant there about the Yankees and about Aaron Boone and reading between the lines, it doesn't take much to understand that he is an absolute yes, man. 
this is got a guy who takes his orders from upstairs from the analytics people from the spreadsheet he's a spreadsheet manager is what i call them and do they work i don't know man let's look at the atlanta braves how much analytics are they utilizing listen to me i could i we could curse on this show i can fucking take weekend at bernie and have him take this team to the playoffs okay (laughs) they have not fucking lost they won 84 games every single fucking year they can't win the championship bro come on son So is your issue game day management or is it the it's type of players big, that they're bringing in? Moments in big spots, big time, you know, big time people know how to come through in the clutch. Aaron Boone doesn't push the right buttons and it's just too much mixing and matching. He don't he don't have a feel for the game. He don't have a pulse. He is weekend at Bernie because he don't have a pulse. He looks in the notebook and tells what the percentages say. This guy hit 200 against this guy from 10 years ago. So let's do that. Give me a break. Sometimes you got to trust what your eyes tell you. Sometimes you got to listen to the fire in your belly. And I'm li- I'm going to tell you right now, if the Yankees are listening, I'm available. Rick Saratella. I'll donate my salary to whatever foundation you want, but I'm just tired of the losing. I'm tired of it. And then Garrett hear Cole, about he's another team. one. Garrett Cole. He's another uh, one. Stop it. Stop with the excuses. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear about your hamstring. You went out there. You pitched. You performed. Own up to it, man. Bro, it's like, you know, they ran out of big boy pants over there in the Bronx. Should I keep going or are we out of time yet? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I roast them up. You guys have all heard of two sports stars, baseball and football and that type of thing. Rick Saratella is a two sports star. He <laughs> is football and baseball. He has laid down the gauntlet. He is available for the New York Yankees management position. Let's get rid of Boo. Let's bring him back. Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're a very passionate Yankee fan, and I love that. I am the same when it comes to the Red Sox. And not trying to pour salt in the wound, but I had to live half of my life with a, a Red Sox squad that was exactly what you're describing the Yankees now. You know, they'd win games. Sometimes they'd get into the playoffs. They'd always get swept out of there. And never make their mark. It seems like the franchises have reversed in the 2000s. And look, I know, 1918 was my favorite chant. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, it, and it's now somehow reversed. And that should piss off every single Yankee fan. Let me ask you. Are you more mad that the Yankees aren't winning or that the Red Sox are winning? Which is a more weighty emotion for you and what do you think it is for Yankees fans bro how many Boston got four in the last what uh, 14 years uh, okay 18 years something so like that call, so call me when you got 24 more okay because then you might have more than us okay 
<laughs> yeah, like, I, well, that's true, but you like, know, I care about Boston. Come on, man. I mean, listen, it's not fun to watch them win. I'm glad they finally get a chance to taste it and experience it because you know, I I was up in Providence, Rhode Island, back in the day when Mo Vaughn was. Uh, sipping the moe up in the in the foxy lady over there, and they weren't good times for the Red Sox. I remember those days. <laughs> no, they were terrible days. They were really, really difficult. You you just knew deep down something was going to happen to uh, mess things up. Kind of maybe like Vikings fans. Have you noticed that they always once they get to the championship game, there's a missed kick or there's something going on. Yeah. And we'll talk to NFL oh, in a point. second here, but let's. Uh, Let's do a smooth transition here into the teams that are winning, the teams that are still in it right now. Quick thoughts on the NLCS. It's hard to imagine that the Dodgers team, which was anointed the World Series winner before the season even started, this is a Dodger team that did not win their own division. And by the way, a lot of people make are making a lot of, well, they had 106 wins in the regular season. It's historic. It's unbelievable. But when you actually look at their splits, Rick, a huge, huge percentage of their wins were against the Colorado Rockies and Arizona Diamondbacks, two teams which were out of it before the season started. Their records against those teams are something like 35-3 and or something like that, which means that against the rest of the league, they are kind of dog shit, really. And so for me, I'm kind of not surprised about being down 3-1 and about to get bounced. Do you think the Dodgers have been dealt such a blow that it's not overcomable? Do they get it all together in one game? Or is this just who they are and we've under overestimated this team? Hey, man, I, I got the Dodgers to take it. I don't care if they're down 3-1. I'm still on the Dodgers train. And to your point, I just looked them up. They're eight games over 500 against teams with uh, teams with winning records. So uh, I I saw I saw. But that's not that great for an all-star team. Well, it was better. It was better than all the other teams, I see. But I, I will say this. I saw a handful of games with the Giants where they went into the ninth inning back and forth. And some of these games were bloodbaths. Same thing with the Padres, who actually had the best record against winning ball clubs, and they didn't even make the playoffs. And the Dodgers had a better record, that, or the same record as the San Francisco Giants. And so I saw them win clutch games, and I know they've got an ace up in their sleeve in Max Scherzer. And I've seen the Braves blow big games before. And so I'm not counting the Dodgers team out. In fact, gun to my head, I got the Dodgers to take it. I, I think it's going to be Dodgers. And we can save the AFC or the, uh, <laughs> the the MLB. What is it? The American League. Hey, Mike, it's been a rough week. The American League. You know where my head is at. We can of save course. that for a tease. <laughs> of course. So that means that the Dodgers are going to win three straight. I mean, obviously. Why not? They have it in them. They've had plenty of three-game winning streaks. Uh, here's what I'll say. No, really what they got to do is win two. Because then they just turn it over to Scherzer and it's game over. That a uh, you know, hey, I'm not trying to pour salt in your wound, but that's exactly what happened when the Red Sox made their comeback. You know, and they had two Scherzers. They had Pedro and they had Schilling. 
So for them, it was like, let's get the Derek Lowe game out of the way. We win that one. We got those two studs coming up. We're going to be good to go. Well, hey, in 96, Yankees were down 3 nothing to the Braves. They came back. Mr. Torrey. So it can be done. It can be done. That's for sure. So we'll, we're going to wait and see if there's going to be a historic comeback here, which it would. Anytime you're down three games to one, three games to zero in elimination mode, there's going to be some magic that's going to bring you back. Well, how about the American League, Mr. Red Sox fan? Okay, so here are my <laughs> thoughts on the American League. After yeah. the Red Sox won game three, everybody assumed that they were going to move on. They were kind of just such a hot-hitting team that there was no slowing them down. They pretty much had advanced the Red Sox to the World Series. Now they're on the brink of elimination. And Chris Sale has been okay, but he is not the ace. He's not the Max Scherzer that you could trot out there. So for the Red Sox, it's simply going to be win one game, and then anything can happen in game seven. But I feel that that's kind of the same thing for the Astros. It was win one game, and then we're at home for two more. We could win one out of two. Obviously, from a percentages perspective, it favors the Astros because they only need to win one. The Red Sox need to win two. But I truly think that anything can happen in these last couple of games. For whatever reason, the Red Sox hit better in uh, Houston than they have in Boston. I don't know why. Maybe cold weather plays a factor, but if that's the case, well, the Astros got a lot of hits, and they hit the Red Sox's best. So uh, I do think that the Astros' pitching is a little bit thin, which is what keeps the Red Sox kind of alive. Joey Cora, you know, he doesn't lose playoff series. So that's kind of my quick take on it. I'm still bullish on the Red Sox, but they're up against it. That's for sure. What are your thoughts? I know we're up against it with the commercial break, so I'll just say this. I like Ivaldi coming up here. I think it goes seven games. At the end of the day, I just think the Astros are better cheaters, so I'm going (laughs) Houston to lose to the Dodgers in the World Series. Okay. Okay. I'm going to – yeah. Mark it here, October 21st. You heard it here first, Mike Abadir show. And with the Dodgers winning, of course. Yes. Winning the rematch. Yes. See, that's kind of what I was hoping from the beginning Little, of that's... the playoff series is, you know, I, look, as long as the Dodgers make it, we're going to have a rematch no matter what. Red Sox-Dodgers rematch, Houston-Dodgers rematch. Mm-hmm. They want to get even with both of those teams. So as long as the Dodgers make it, they're going to have a chance to. I'm, I'm just concerned that they're going to be able to win three games in a row. But hey, Tella broke it down. Big city of dreams. City of dreams it is, my friend. Okay, let's take a quick commercial timeout, our final one. We'll get to our final segment, and we're going to talk a little bit of gridiron, the National Football League. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. 
Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here for the final segment of the Mike Abadir Show, joined by the NFL Draft Bibles, Rick Saratella, Sports Illustrated's Rick Saratella does it all, covers it all. Man, even. this has been so much fun, Mike. Oh, man, I, I love having you on because of the passion and the energy and the knowledge that you bring to the table. You're a true pro's pro, and because of that, I am also a big fan of everything that you guys do at the NFL Draft Bible in breaking down player by player by player, year after year after year. And so it makes sense that you know what you know about the NFL because you know everybody that's come out of the college ranks and, and gotten there. Before we talk about the uh, the games at hand in week seven here, uh, for those who are kind of starting to get back into college football, and the reason I say that is because last year was kind of a lost year. People were confused, and some guys opted out and some guys didn't. Who do you think are the guys that, the NFL teams right now are looking at as possible game changers out of this year's draft guys that they could look at and say, okay, yeah, even though we've got two wins, if we position ourselves, well, we're going to be able to get the Oregon kid or, you know, who are, who are those guys right now that you're seeing? Yeah. I mean, I think the Oregon Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end there is definitely one of those guys. I mean, I saw him as a, true freshman and he looked like he was ready for the NFL right he's a traditional 43 hand in the dirt pass rushing defensive end who can get after the quarterback he's a tremendous athlete Oregon's getting a little stupid with it now because I know they had him like an outside backer guarding tight ends and and dropping them back in coverage so like they're really getting creative with them now uh the Ducks are but I think he's probably the consensus first round pick. I'm a little bit, you know, he seems to show up on the injury report a lot. So I'm a little concerned with the durability, but in terms of on the field talent, this, this kid's a pure pedigree cave on Thibodeau. And then Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame safety, one of the strongest positions, I think of the, uh, of the 2021 draft or 2022 draft class. And so Kyle Hamilton has a chance to be a top five selection. He can do it all. He's a he's a safety who can play in the box. He can freelance and play center field. He could probably play corner or linebacker. Like he's that talented. He's six foot one, I think, and two hundred pound, two hundred plus pounds. So Kyle Hamilton's another good looking player 
unfortunately, Mike, with all the struggling quarterback play around the league, there's not too many good-looking players. I think the one quarterback I would be willing to take a chance on in the first round, and there really is only one, and that would be Carson Strong out of Nevada. And again, you got to go back and do your your due diligence on the medical with the vertebrae and the and, and this uh, uh, stenosis going back to high school. He had some stuff going on with the, with the spinal cord, so you wonder the long term uh, impact there. But again, in terms of talent, Carson Strong, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, those are probably the top three players on my big board. Good stuff, man. I mean, year after year, we kind of talked about it with NBA. You know, there's only five guys that can uh, help you take it to the next level. If you got two of them as superstars, you can quickly climb up the ranks. Football is a little bit differently. You got to build differently. But every once in a while, you have that blue chip prospect that comes in and can change your fortunes around who are some of the rookies right now that are intriguing you in the NFL? Guys that are really, really making their mark, whether it be uh, Jamar Chase or you know any of the guys offensively or or defensively as well. Well, you know, you mentioned Jamar Chase, like, and and a lot of people questioned, hey, what are the Bengals doing taking a wide receiver? Don't they need offensive line help? But there was a little bit of chemistry there between Mr. Chase and Mr. Burrow. And uh, it's hard to argue with the decision now that you're seeing some of the results. And, Mike, I got to say, like, the Bengals look like a playoff team to me. I mean, I think we're going to find out this week. They got a big-time matchup coming up. But the Burrow to Chase connection has been really fun to watch. Uh, Rashawn Slater is a guy that is really playing lights out. because It's funny because you saw all these opt-out guys. And you said, hey, how is that going to impact their draft stock? But Rashawn Slater, you talk about the Chargers' success this season. A lot of a lot of that has to do with what Rashawn Slater has brought to the table in terms of protection up front. And, hey, man, it all starts in the trenches in the NFL. But Micah Parsons is another opt-out guy, and he has been playing with his hair on fire for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a game-changer. Um, so I think, you know, Parsons, Rashawn Slater – Rondell Moore. I mean, how about those Cardinals? The only undefeated team remaining. They got so many weapons on that team. The rookie, Rondell Moore, who went in the second round. Oh, by the way. (laughs) Okay. Uh, He's making some big plays. And believe it or not, you thought you were talking to Rick Saratella, but it's really Ripley here on the other end of the line, Michael. It's <laughs> it's it's uh, Mac Jones out of all the quarterbacks that were taken in the first round. You say, who's who's performing at the highest level? I'd have to say it's Mac Jones. Sorry, Trevor. Well, speaking of which, do you think that the, this class overall is uh, either underperforming or not what we thought it was? Maybe it's what you thought it was. Or is this, come on, guys, we're only six weeks into the season. These guys have, have only played six National Football League games. Give it a shot. What, what do you think of the guys that you've seen so far? Well, you're a historian, Mike. I mean, you remember the rookie seasons of Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning. They weren't too pretty, right? And so, I mean, come on, Trevor Lawrence has shown the flashes, right? He's a, he's a real deal quarterback, in my opinion. I mean, some of the throws he makes, like I say, wow, okay. 
<laughs> that's a big time throw that, you know, few quarterbacks could make. And so I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the real deal. Now he inherited a tough situation. That's a really, really poor, a piss poor offensive line, if we're being honest. Um, so I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be okay. You know, I think Trevor, uh, Trey Lance is probably the biggest kind of like boomer bust guy because it's just raw talent, right? Like he's so raw and there's so much coaching that needs to be done there, but like, could he possibly be in a better spot than in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, who is like the modern day quarterback whisperer. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Trey Lance was a big success. I wouldn't be uh, shocked if Trey Lance was also a dud because San Francisco, aside from going to the Super Bowl that one year, they failed to make the playoffs every other season. So I don't know how long, how much longer Kyle Shanahan will be there. Uh, Zach Wilson, I've seen some flashes, but again, man, what a tough, tough situation for Zach Wilson. I will say I've seen more, more flashes in one year from Zach Wilson than I did in three years out of Sam Darnold. So I, I like what I see so far. And, you know, Justin Fields, again, you know, a lot of us, myself including, was, was clamoring for Justin Fields to be the starter. Be careful what you wish for. I don't think he was re- ready right away, but I think he's also made a quick adjustment and has the potential. So I guess to answer your question, Mike, as I talk about it out loud, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah, too early to tell. It's undecided. So what has to be decided on the playing field is the AFC West. Now, right now, on paper, in terms of how they performed, this looks to me like probably the best division in football, that along with the NFC West, even though you've got some teams under 500 in the NFC West. But this is a team where every single team is above 500. Now, Fellas out there that are big fans of the AFC North can say the same, that every team is above 500. But the AFC West feels a little bit differently, maybe in that it's produced the Super Bowl uh, participant from the AFC over the last few years. Maybe it's because that participant is in last at 3-3, three and three, but at the top you got L.A. and Las Vegas, a team that was supposed to be in L.A. that moved to that is in Vegas, a team that was supposed to be in San Diego that is in L.A. that doesn't have a huge fan base yet. So there's not a lot of hype here in L.A. What do you make of the AFC West? And then you have the Denver Broncos who are maybe overperforming in the first three games, but they do have the best defense in the AFC in terms of points given up. I correct myself. Best second to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, What do you make of this AFC West division? You know, it's really both the NFC and AFC West seem like the cream of the crop. But with the AFC, you you mentioned the Denver defense. I mean, I think you could state an argument, Mike, that they arguably, right? Arguably, I'm not saying this, but arguably you could say they might have the top defense in the NFL. And so do they now get Tua as a result of the Dolphins getting Deshaun Watson? That remains to be seen. But even with Teddy Bridgewater, like the man – is going to keep you in it to win it. I just don't have my confidence in Teddy Bridgewater over the long haul. He collapsed down the stretch with the Panthers last year. So unless they get Tua, which I think would be an upgrade, but then you got to hope he stays healthy. I don't see the Denver Broncos being a playoff team. I think the Chargers are really the team to beat. I'm I'm impressed with this uh, Brandon Staley 
who was coaching Division Three like three years ago. What an incredible young man. Uh, the players, the agents of the players who play for the coach, like everybody that the, the scouts for the Chargers, like everybody raves about the head coach there for the Chargers. And I think the Chiefs have more flaws than people realize. We're going to find out this week against Tennessee in Tennessee if Tennessee's the real deal and if Kansas City's really up to the task because, yes, the offensive line looked good on paper coming into it, but it's been somewhat inconsistent there. And they don't have the playmakers like yesteryear and the depth there on the offensive side with the ammunition. So I really think it's the Chargers division with the Chiefs behind them. And then I would place the Raiders there at number three. I'm still waiting to see, like, hey, adrenaline, emotions were high this past week. They pulled out the W. Will that momentum continue to carry? I'm interested to see it. I don't have a finger on the pulse yet with the Raiders. I don't know if anybody does, but they can go in either direction as well, I believe. Okay, let's get to some quick picks here because we only have a couple of minutes left in the show. So let's start with some of the intriguing matchups. One that I'm intrigued with is the Kansas City Chiefs going into Tennessee to face the 4-2 and two Tennessee Titans. The Chiefs are five-point favorites. Is this a little bit of a Monday hangover the odds maker are expecting? Uh, you know, because a lot of times the shortened week kind of affects guys. Or do they not give any weight to that victory on Monday night for the Tennessee Titans, which uh, they almost shouldn't have had? It rarely happens, but I think Vegas is off the mark here. I really think Tennessee, as long as Derrick Henry is healthy, has a shot to beat any team. I like Tennessee at home. You can keep the stinking points. I got the Titans to win outright. Wow. There you go. They got the wrong team favorite. Uh, Okay. How about the – this isn't an intriguing matchup. It's an intriguing line, though. The Cardinals are 17.5-point favorites against the Texans. You rarely see lines of that magnitude in the National Football League. No, but you rarely see some of the blowouts like we're seeing with some of these piss poor teams such as Houston and Detroit. I think this is a halftime cover. I'm taking the Cardinals. I'm putting my feet up on the couch at halftime and I'm making one of those fancy drinks with an umbrella in it. And this is a week of huge lines. Of course, the Rams are not far off from the Cardinals in terms of blowout point spread wise. 15 and a half point favorites against the Detroit oh, Lions all day, all day. I mean, give me Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford and company all day long. The only thing that might hurt this Mike is that they got the backup, in the, you know, they got the fourth string in the fourth quarter and, and Detroit might do a backdoor cover, but this is going to be another route. You saw what the Rams did to the giants last week. What was that? 20, 30 point blowout. You can expect to see the same. Well, Rick, really appreciate having you on. That's all the time that we've got. My plays are the Cardinals and the New York Giants that you just mentioned, uh, as well as the Tennessee Titans. Thank you so much, Rick. We will see you again, hopefully really soon. Thanks to all the listeners out there. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.